The first word tonight begins with a reading from Luke chapter 13. Jesus lamented, Jerusalem, Jerusalem, the city that kills the prophets and stones those who are sent to it. How often would I have gathered your children together as a hen gathers her brood under her wings, and you are not willing. Behold, your house is forsaken. And I tell you, you will not see me until you say, Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. And then a reading from Luke 23. Two others who were criminals were led away to be put to death with him. And when they came to the place that is called the skull, there they crucified him. And the criminals, one on his right and one on his left. And Jesus said, Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they do. And they cast lots to divide his garments. Is this what Jesus wanted? Jesus was God, but he was also human. Of course he didn't want the pain. Of course he didn't want the humiliation. Of course he didn't want the mocking, the spitting, the dying. But even more than that, Jesus never wanted these people, his people, to reject their rightful king. And this execution among common criminals was the ultimate rejection of Jesus' claim to be the one who brings God's will and God's kingdom reign on earth as in heaven. This is not what Jesus wanted. The flogging and crucifixion broke his body, but what broke his heart is love. Love that wanted to bring these very people into the kingdom reign of God. That love now spoke an amazing word, a word almost too wonderful to, be un to understand. Father, forgive them. Not judgment, not hate, not vengeance. We learn later that many became followers of the way. Some who stood at the foot of the cross and laughed and spat and cursed Jesus as he died would later call him God and Lord. But for now, they reject his sacrifice completely. And in the face of that rejection, Jesus persisted. Jesus was unwilling to give up on them, even as they crucified him. Jesus is unwilling to give up on you, no matter how devastating your betrayal, how deep your rejection, how persistent your sin. In response to those who would push him away, Jesus continues to reach out nail-pierced hands as he prays for the very people who put him on the cross. Father, forgive. The second word. A reading from 1 Timothy chapter 2. God, our Savior, desires all people to be saved and to come to the knowledge of the truth. For there is one God, and there is one mediator between God and men, the man Christ Jesus, 
who gave himself as a ransom for all, which is the testimony given at the proper time. And a reading from Luke 23. And the people stood by watching, but the ruler scoffed at him, saying, He saved others, let him save himself. If he is the Christ of God, his chosen one, The soldiers also mocked him, coming up and offering him sour wine, and saying, If you are the king of the Jews, save yourself. There was also an inscription over him, This is the king of the Jews. One of the criminals who were hanged railed at him, saying, Are you not the Christ? Save yourself and us. But the other rebuked him, saying, Do you not fear God? since you are under the same sentence of condemnation. And we indeed justly, for we are receiving the due reward for our deeds. But this man has done nothing wrong. And he said, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And Jesus said to him, Truly I say to you, today you will be with me in paradise. We kind of like it when people get what's coming to them, don't we? We have little sympathy for people who are getting exactly what they deserve. But God, our Savior, desires all people to be saved. Think of that. Our Savior doesn't want people to get what's coming to them. Jesus doesn't want you to get what you deserve. Jesus desires all to be saved, even this thief, even this common criminal who deserves the death that's coming to him on the cross. The cross is Jesus being mediator and ransom at the same time. The cross is what Jesus is willing to do in order to save people who deserve death. The cross in all its ugliness is pleasing in the sight of God, our Savior, because the cross means that the kingdom reign of God is coming into our ugly circumstances. Even in the midst of sin and the consequences of sin, even in the face of death. Remember me when you come into your kingdom, the sinner prays. And to this sinner who deserves death, The dying king replies, Today you will be with me. Do you want to see God's reign and rule his kingdom? Do you want to see it come? Do you want to see God's kingdom's will be done? Then you, sinner, and me, sinner, who deserve death, look on your crucified king and pray, Remember me, Jesus, and don't give me what I deserve. The third word. First, a reading from Matthew chapter 6. Jesus said to his disciples, Pray then like this, Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts, as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us.
from evil. And then a reading from the Gospel of John, chapter 19. Standing by the cross of Jesus were his mother and his mother's sister, Mary, the wife of Clopas, and Mary Magdalene. When Jesus saw his mother and the disciple whom he loved standing nearby, he said to his mother, Woman, behold your son. Then he said to the disciple, Behold your mother. And from that hour, the disciple took her to his own home. It's sometimes called the family prayer, the family prayer of the people of God. This family prayer is how Jesus taught his disciples to pray. It begins, Our Father. And by naming God our Father, it names us one family, the family of God. Our Lord on the cross lived out the Lord's Prayer. Jesus on the cross hallowed God's name. The cross is God's kingdom coming and God's will being done on earth as it is in heaven. And the result of Jesus living out the family prayer is a new family, a family of God marked by daily bread, this is my body broken for you, and forgiving those who trespass against us. Father, forgive them. The result of Jesus living out this prayer in his body is a family led not into temptation, but delivered from evil. Jesus crushed the serpent's head, even as the devil, that old snake, struck his heel. Mary, the mother of Jesus, and John, the disciple Jesus loved, stood together at the foot of the cross. As Jesus spoke through the pain, we hear the beginning of a new family, the family of God. This family stands under the shadow of the cross and prays in faith together for God's kingdom reign to come and God's kingdom will to be done on earth, among us, in our families, as it is in heaven. The fourth word, a reading from Matthew chapter 27. And when they had crucified him, they divided his garments among them by casting lots. Then they sat down and kept watch over him there. And those who passed by derided him, wagging their heads and saying, You who would destroy the temple and rebuild it in three days, save yourself. If you are the Son of God, come down from the cross. So also the chief priests with scribes and elders mocked him, saying, He saved others. He cannot save himself. He is the king of Israel. Let him come down now from the cross and we will believe in him. He trusts in God. Let God deliver him now if he desires. For he said, I am the son of God. And the robbers who were crucified with him also reviled him in the same way. Now from the sixth hour, there was darkness over all the land until the ninth hour. And about the ninth hour, Jesus cried out with a loud voice, 
saying, Eli, Eli, lema sabachthani, that is, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Jesus hangs there in weakness as they pile on insult after insult. The crown of thorns in his flesh is itself a sign of an ironic mocking. A crown for a king, a thorn for suffering. This is all sufficient grace. This is God's power being made perfect in weakness. Jesus, at his lowest point, rejected by people, abandoned by God, cries out words from a psalm, a hymn, all about weakness, all about brokenness, thorns in the flesh, and insults. That ancient hymn of Psalm 22 begins with painful words, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Jesus knows that song all too well. But the hymn of Psalm 22 does not end with abandonment. When all around is weakness and suffering and loss, a powerful theme returns to the music. All who see me mock me. They hurl insults, shaking their heads. He trusts in the Lord, they say. Let the Lord rescue him. Let him deliver him since he delights in him. It reminds me of a song Paul learned in the midst of his suffering. Jesus, the same Jesus who knew what it meant to have a crown of thorns in his own flesh, that Jesus said to Paul what he says to you and me, my grace is sufficient for you. For my power is made perfect in weakness. The fifth word, beginning with a reading from Matthew chapter 26. Then Jesus went with them to a place called Gethsemane. And he said to his disciples, Sit here while I go over there and pray. And going a little farther, he fell on his face and prayed, saying, My Father, if it is possible, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not as I will, but as you will. Again, for the second time, he went away and prayed, my Father, if this cannot pass unless I drink it, your will be done. And then a reading from John chapter 19. After this, on the cross, Jesus, knowing all was now finished, said to fulfill the scripture, I thirst. A jar full of sour wine stood there. So they put a sponge full of the sour wine on a hyssop and held it to his mouth. On the cross, Jesus lived out what it means to be thirsty for God's righteous kingdom reign. Jesus drank the cup of God's righteous punishment down to its dregs. The one who said he would provide living water the one who turned water of ritual purification into the wine of the kingdom banquet, the Jesus who said, let all who are thirsty come to me and drink, himself drank the bitter cup of retribution, death water, the wine of God's wrath. When Jesus prayed in the garden, not my will, but yours be done, this was the cup 
he wanted to avoid. Yet for the sake of God's kingdom coming, Jesus poured himself out like a drink offering and drained the death cup for you. The sixth word. John chapter 19, verse 30. When Jesus had received the sour wine, he said, It is finished. And he bowed his head and gave up his spirit. It is finished. So much is wrapped up in that first word, it. An incredible supernatural life, but a tragic and ugly death, but also grace, also freedom, also forgiveness, also the ultimate example of love. It is finished. And it is just beginning. The seventh word from Luke chapter 23. It was now about the sixth hour, and there was darkness over the whole land until the ninth hour, while the sun's light failed. And the curtain of the temple was torn in two. Then Jesus, calling out with a loud voice, said, Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. And having said this, he breathed his last. 